Hello and welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Plain. Today we are talking about building trust in a virtual environment. Lisa, why have we stumbled on this topic? So this topic actually came, uh, I was having a conversation with my dad about podcasts and I said, dad, what would you like to know about right now within the context of work? And so his, one of his answers was, you know, one of the biggest challenges people are facing right now is building trust in this virtual environment that most of us are working in. So not being able to see our employees, making new friends and new teams from all over the place. And so that's kind of where it started. That's so cool. I like the little family tie into this episode. Shout out. Um, Cool. Yeah. And and our episode title, right? Building trust in a virtual environment kind of does imply that there is some sort of an innate struggle in doing that. And I, I sort of see this episode being useful for anyone, whether you're a job seeker or you're currently employed, there's a couple of different factors here. If you're a job seeker, trust is important because you're trying to ultimately win the game of no like, and trust in order to become a chosen candidate. And you do that throughout the different stages of, of the interview recruiting process. As an employee, you have trust as, as an objective because it helps you build credibility and ultimately can lead to greater influence on the team that you might be a part of, potentially unlocking some new opportunities in the organization you're at or potentially later on down down the line in your career so this offers something for everyone i think um but let's let's dive into this a little bit more you have come across a book that is a pretty good resource on this topic yes so it is called trust edge and it's by david horsager and it's really interesting so he talks about eight pillars of trust as a framework for gaining an edge in business and in life. So Hmm. this seems like a pretty good um, framework. And so the eight pillars are clarity, people trust the clear and mistrust the ambiguous, compassion, people put faith in those who care beyond themselves, character, people notice those who do what is right over what is easy, competency, people have confidence in those who stay fresh, relevant, and capable, Commitment, people believe in those who stand through adversity. Connection, people want to follow, buy from, and be around friends. Contribution, people immediately respond to results. And consistency, people love to see the little things done consistently. Wow, that's a really impressive framework. I had never heard of that until now. I was trying to figure out which of those really resonated the most with me, and it was hard because all of those make so much sense. Like I really could put my myself behind each one of those eight pillars. Mm-hmm. Was there something that when you went through that that really jumped out to you that was kind of an aha moment? I think that the the biggest thing that stuck out to me was just the fact that this is these are things that are needed for a traditional environment, a mm-hmm. traditional work environment when you're in person. These things are still needed. It's just that now with this added element of the virtual world, we don't necessarily have that in-person aspect. So we're not seeing all of these things being done on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah. How we manifest some of these things definitely looks a little little bit different now in the pandemic in which we're now many months into. But yeah, that's something that we can definitely talk about a lot more. To me, the whole idea of when we're in person or, or let's just say 
as you said, traditional environment where we're actually face to face with people in a physical space more often, there's so much nonverbal language. Uh, there's so much messaging that comes through in our body language, how we dress, the way that we just carry ourselves that we do kind of lose uh, when we're stuck behind screens. And I think that we'll probably one day get a little bit tired or maybe longing of, of that kind of connection because there is so much to that that style of communication that I know I'm starting to miss a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I think that's part of what the challenge is in terms of manifesting some of the, the principles that the book talks about. You've been in a virtual business sphere for quite some time now. What's it been like for you building a business that's obviously very interpersonal, but from a totally virtual standpoint? Well, the interesting thing is, so even when I was working in a corporate environment, our team was very segregated and my team supported a lot of other teams. So working for a company that has 40,000 employees Mm. means that you're not all going to be in the same office. No. So it was very rare that I was in the same office as other people. And I did notice that my relationships with people that I couldn't just stop by their desk were more challenging in general. Mm. So I've taken some of those experiences and definitely lent them to my new world. Um, The interesting thing that I've found with my business now is that I really enjoy the the video conferencing. Mm. When I was working in a corporate setting before, we didn't do a lot of video conferencing. And there were some people who would do it and it was kind of a funny thing because they would be on, or there'd be two or three people on video and everyone else would just be on the phone listening. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do find that when you you have that video, you are a little bit more engaged, you're a little bit more focused. You can see some of those nonverbal cues, which has really helped me mm-hmm. in my coaching business. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I found across the board, whether it was in my corporate life or whether it's now, one of the biggest components for me in building trust with clients and also trusting other people is building rapport. Yeah. So talking about things outside of the the main point of the conversation. That's a great point. We've totally lost the water cooler right in the pandemic era. And so it, it can be easy to just sort of make every encounter that you have with a teammate or with a a client, a vendor, whomever being just strictly about work. And that kind of makes things a bit dull, I find. Absolutely. And even taking five minutes at the beginning of your call or five Mm. minutes at the end of your call to say, what's been going on at home? Or, you know, what's the weather like where you are? Whatever that might be, it just helps you to build that connection. Totally. And now, Mike, you've been in a virtual environment with your company yeah. You started in a virtual environment. Pretty much since day one, yeah. I was interviewed in person uh, for my current employer and then received my offer basically as COVID measures started to take hold here in Quebec and basically went the first six months of my time with my, my current employer, um, totally remote, sitting in my guest room on a desk um, and getting to know my colleagues through the screen. Uh, my boss my present boss was not interviewing me the day that I was there. Uh, She was on vacation. So literally just, I I walked into a team that didn't really know me uh, except as, as this guy on the other side of a laptop. 
and it's been it's been a good experience. I mean, we had a moment in September when COVID measures kind of lightened up a little bit, and I had two and a half, maybe three weeks in the office to actually be around people. It was different. Mm -hmm. But then to go back to being behind a screen, I think now I've kind of become, you know, very, very comfortable. I think over time I've gained just a little bit more, you know, natural, just being okay, I guess, with the fact that we're, we're all in this sort of thing together. Um, it means that there are some moments where I understand that, you know, because of the fact that we're interacting through a screen, as you said, you're kind of very directly tied into the person that you're looking at and talking to. It's not like when we're in person, we can kind of hide some things occasionally in our body language. It's harder to do that. I find when we're always looking at the person, mm -hmm. but to go back to sort of what that means in terms of working with others is, um, I, I can realize that there are moments in another person's day that might be really difficult or they're having a, a, a rough week and you can see it show up on the screen. The energy is a little bit different. And if you can just sort of take that moment to sort of, you know, let that person be a human going back to our episode with Joe Jacoby, right? We're not, we're not robots. We are human. We have off days. We have off moments and it's okay to sort of slow things down a little bit to remember that it's important that we have human connection in what we're doing because it's, it's in our DNA. It's part of who we are. Mm -hmm. What are some of the biggest challenges you've found in this new environment? Yeah. I mean, I've been a little bit slow in building relationships with some of the people that um, when I was going into the office uh, for that brief period, it just seemed a little bit more natural and more fun to actually relate to people in person. Um, but there have been some people that consciously I've gone out and I've built a relationship with. And so maybe that's a note for someone who is working virtually is that if you want to have good relationships with your colleagues, it can be worth it to take five to 10 minutes and just have some sort of a scheduled virtual coffee or water cooler break or whatever. I mean, other challenges, certainly, um, maybe not so much for me. I'm, I'm pretty natural in writing and, and communicate fairly comfortably in that medium, but for others who do not, I think it's a real challenge for them. Um, especially as you go day after day doing that, because there's some fatigue that can set in. You're not feeling like yourself. You don't think you're expressing yourself very clearly. I think that can be a really big challenge in the kind of virtual world we're in now. Mm -hmm. yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Have you found any benefits to starting in this virtual environment? Yeah, I, I would like to think that from like a time management standpoint, when you kind of have your day chunked out into calls and work blocks, it just sort of, you know, you have a call from two, it goes until three and you have potentially another call after that. I'm not necessarily a huge fan of, of having back to back to back to back meetings and going through your day like that, but it can happen. And I just think that that pressure when it does come around can make you more aware of time. I think people who struggle with time management are just not naturally that aware of time. Mm -hmm. So I do think the virtual environment can be good for that just because of the way scheduling works. That makes sense. Um, yeah, it's not like you can take two minutes to be late for a meeting walking down the hall when you're just going to switch your keyboard from one window to another. <laughs> but yeah, those, those are some of the things that in terms of benefits, I do think that it's just allowed for sometimes greater efficiency. I would say that the other thing is that in terms of me, I enjoy working with people, but I also really enjoy working alone on certain things. 
and that can be a huge plus when I'm actually just taking a couple of hours, not looking at email, not communicating with other people on my team, and I can just do something that I know is useful and valuable, but requires intense focus to complete. So that's mm. another benefit. It's a little bit easier to avoid those kinds of distractions that we get a lot of the time when we're in a physical space. Mm -hmm. And going back to the pillars of trust, that mm -hmm. kind of goes back to competency and consistency. So you're, you're getting your work done in a consistent way. You're doing it really well, um, which can also lead to increased trust from the people that you're working with. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think on that, a lot of the time, some of the struggles that people face with virtual environments is if we're all online, we're all accessible all of the time. And I, I think mm -hmm. that can be super dangerous. And to kind of go back to a quote that I may have talked about once upon a time on this show, it's from Brad Ion. It's around, it's around the idea that reliability is not the same thing as availability. And if you are meeting the expectations that people have of you in terms of when you're communicating and how you're communicating, it doesn't really matter if, unless the expectation is you will respond in five seconds, which hopefully is not the case. Um, you can often go quite some time, even in a virtual environment, not responding to people, getting the things that you have to do done so that you can turn around and help others. You have to help yourself. It's right. It's the airplane mask analogy, right? You got to put on your mask for helping the person next to you. It's the same idea. Mm -hmm. You also just made me think of, um, something really interesting. Oftentimes there's an unwritten contract between people, especially mm. at work. So your, your boss has expectations for you. You have expectations for your boss, but oftentimes it's not really talked about in a virtual environment. That's a really good time to get all that stuff out into the mm -hmm. open and have it on paper. So if the expectation is that you're supposed to respond every five minutes, you should know that. And mm. alternately, if there is more of a relaxed way of looking at things, setting those boundaries for each of you can be really, really important. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about boundaries because there is a big trust piece that goes into setting and respecting boundaries. Mm -hmm. Well, boundaries are interesting because oftentimes people think that when they set boundaries, it's showing a lack of respect for somebody else. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're taught that it can be selfish. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times when you're showing that type of self-respect and showing what your boundaries are within the context of your work, obviously while still getting your work done mm -hmm. and being a good employee, it shows the other person that they can respect you even more. Exactly. Yeah. And it's natural that we all have our own needs. We have things that we have to take care of. And if we fail to do that, then we ultimately go down the road where our performance starts to gradually and sometimes dramatically decline and boundaries help us to maintain our ability to perform. So I, I think that it's a win-win situation for everyone when there are boundaries and then respecting boundaries is a sign of trust that you have in other people. I love your comment just going back to sort of the unwritten contract or agreement between teammates, employer, employee, um, setting that expectation in a really, really clear way and then being able to consistently apply it over and over again over time, that builds trust. And really, I think just about any kind of accepted behavior over time builds trust. So if you are always responding to emails in a way that's clear and comprehensive um, without you know eating into someone else's time, that's one way of building trust in a small but consistent way. Another mm -hmm. way might be 
just ensuring, of course, that you're meeting all the deadlines that have been set. And if you do miss a deadline that you're very honest about, hey, I'm, I'm sorry, I apologize that we're a day behind on this. We'll go faster now, um, but take that step to move forward from there and just own it when a mistake happens. Yeah. And vulnerability is a huge part of all of this. Being mm-hmm. able to have a conversation about boundaries and about setting that unwritten becoming written contract mm-hmm. it requires a lot of vulnerability from both parties and it's true in in personal relationships too it's when a lot of challenges come up when you have different unwritten contracts that you're trying yeah. to mesh together but vulnerability across it and especially in covid when people are dealing with so many different things being able to just be a human and let someone else know what's going on with you and allow the other person to take that information, adjust as needed, or to just let them know like, Hey, I'm having an off day, but I promise it's not going to affect Mm. my work. Yeah. That's a lot easier than someone else on the other side of the phone saying, Oh my gosh, this person's mad at me (laughs) because they're acting off. Right. Yeah. This is definitely a time where for all kinds of reasons, it, there can be a lot of things that are kind of bubbling up to the surface in a professional environment that are a result of personal challenges that our colleagues are facing. And I think being just really forgiving of that toward others and then being forgiving of yourself when you struggle to balance all of the different things in your life or, or to find harmony in what's going on. It's it's really normal. It's really natural. And I think that when you show empathy for people, then that in and of itself builds trust as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Great point. Now, one of the things that a lot of clients that I talk to struggle with, particularly if their manager hadn't managed a virtual team before, Mm. is this idea of out of sight, out of mind. Yes. Oh, let's let's unpack that. Yeah. So, I mean, it comes down to micromanagement or the perception of micromanagement. And oftentimes when you see this, it's it's not a a malicious ask. So Mm -hmm. what it often looks like for the clients that I work with is the manager will check in multiple times per day to see how things are going. Mm -hmm. The employee sees that and thinks this person doesn't trust me. They think that I'm not getting my work done. They're trying to micromanage me. The manager on the other hand is likely thinking my employee can't see me right now. So I want to touch base with them so that they know that I'm supporting them. Hmm. Interesting, right? Just different perceptions of the same event. Yeah. So we have to be careful not to assume certain things when that's happening. And yeah, your, your uh, unwritten agreement becoming written agreement should have some sort of clause in it. If I play to that metaphor, around like what is that kind of check-in expectation like Mm -hmm. i for example right now i have a boss who um you know she'll she'll assign some tasks for a day or an objective for the week and um kind of leaves it to me and the rest of the team to kind of we'll figure it out how how best we want to organize ourselves and if we have an issue we'll go to her that allows her to kind of take care of other things that are more of the bigger picture less um hands in the dirt kind of stuff that i tend to do but that's a really, it's a very nice, relaxed style that balances the availability of support with freedom to be able to perform however you do best because everyone is a little bit different in that way. Mm-hmm. So question for you. Mm-hmm. 
in this case, would it be beneficial to give trust first, kind of like as a presumed innocence mm-hmm. in advance? And then if something happens or something goes wrong, then you change the perception. But yeah. do you think that that would benefit people in that scenario? Yeah. So what I'm hearing is like, do you start with a long leash between employer employee and then shorten it if something goes wrong? Or do you start short and as someone earns your trust, the leash becomes longer? That's a good, that's a great question. Um, you know, as a, as an athletic coach, I've typically been someone who prefers to start with the shorter leash sort of set expectations. And as expectations are met, trust gets built up over time, the leash gets longer and longer, there's sort of more room for creativity and freedom of approach. Um, and then the the longer leash at that point, once it's kind of earned, is a very, very strong trustworthy tie. Just because there's like more room to maneuver does not mean that there is less trust. So that's one of my, I guess, preferred approaches. I I think that the opposite can be a little bit difficult because um, so you start off trusting someone that, that they're going to do the job and what that can look like to an employee when things go wrong or not according to plan is all of a sudden, if the leash gets shorter, it's very reactive. It's like a mm-hmm. very emotional, just non thought out, um, almost like punitive response. <clears throat> and I'm not a huge fan of that necessarily evaluate the leash like if you have to change what the leash's length is i keep using that metaphor but (laughs) go ahead and do it like reset the expectations between both sides but i think it's really important that that there be some sort of there's there's got to be some sort of expectation at the beginning however we set the leash we try it out and we move from there Mm -hmm. it sounds like kind of the pillar though is expectations so if you have really clear expectations you can give somebody more leash Mm. to do what they need to do that's a really good point i never really thought of it that way that the leashes can become longer if the expectations are clearer that makes sense though interesting food for thought Mm -hmm. follow that one along (laughs) when we look at sort of a job seekers from a job seekers lens um, building trust is something that starts as soon as you submit an application or you go through a referral to potentially land an opportunity at an interview. And the interview is really where things get ramped up. And of of course you used used to be physically in the place where you're being interviewed. And now that's happening a lot on a screen. And we could talk maybe a little bit about how important it is to build trust just from a presentation standpoint. I mean, you could, Um, conceivably sort of overdress a little bit based off of what you're hearing other people uh, say about company culture and just present yourself in a, you know, strong manner, neutral background, good lighting, all those little tactical things. Um, But what else kind of comes to mind for you when you're thinking about how job seekers can convey trust in the hiring process? The first thing that came to mind for me was confidence. Yeah. And confidence often comes across as consistency and message mm-hmm. as a job seeker. So you're you're telling similar types of stories, you're conveying yourself in the same way throughout the interview. Yeah. You're not kind of straying from that. You're not 
telling one story and then taking it back and saying, oh, I actually didn't mean that or <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. So I think confidence plays a big role. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, in, in terms of building that confidence, I really believe that the more times you tell your story or uh, tell a message, spread a message, spread an idea, talk about yourself in a, in a, how can I say this? assertive but not arrogant way still maintaining your humility and just having that kind of way about you when you speak about yourself that over time creates that sort of it's not even the appearance of confidence it just it is confidence it's someone who knows themselves and believes in who they are and they're able to communicate that clearly to someone else it's a huge difference from someone who is as you said kind of dancing around how they express themselves and what they're really thinking Mm -hmm. And self-awareness too, I think in job seeker, in a job seeker or in somebody who's in a company, that self-awareness and knowing yourself and being able to tell people who you are and what you're all about builds trust on both ends. Yeah. Yeah. Another really big thing that comes to mind for a job seeker when you're going through the hiring process is let's say you've been offered a job. We learned this from our friend Josh Duty back in episode 46, all around fearless salary negotiation. A negotiation represents a huge opportunity for both sides to build trust and long story short for Josh and his approach and, and my belief now is just right if you receive an offer from an employer and you really are excited about working for them you should counter offer and see if that is the best offer that they've come up with is there room to to maneuver around certain things that you might want in your compensation um, and if an employer comes back to you and says no I we can't do any better um, then at least both sides have agreed that this is the best situation that, that can be obtained. And it's up to you now to decide to take it or not. And if you do decide to take it, the offer, then you know that it's the best that you could have had and you can move forward without sort of any thoughts in the back of your mind saying, did they hold back something from me? I can't yeah. trust them now. Absolutely. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. I loved that episode. If anyone is trying to figure <laughs> out negotiation, that is a rock solid episode for sure something else that just popped up for me is thinking about demeanor mm -hmm. and um, being personable yeah so demeanor i think about as sort of a mixture of energy and uh, engagement yeah so when you're in an interview process if you come across as very disengaged mm -hmm. or you come across as really low energy or you don't seem that interested in the yeah. interviewer, you're not asking questions and things like that, that can show a lack of, or that can cause a lack of trust because people don't really know where you stand. Yes, yeah, they don't know if you're really that drawn to this or not, or you're there for some other reason. And yeah, just, I like the way you've put that, raising the energy level that you bring, and that can come through your tone of voice, that can come through in the way that you're actually looking at the person on the other side of the screen. I mean, small little technical thing when I'm speaking a lot of the time to a, like a larger virtual audience, I will look at the camera of the screen and not the screen itself one-on-one. -on -one, I find that can be a bit tough sometimes to break that habit, but it's true. I mean, you project so many messages through your eyes. Um, but that, that energy has got to be there to go back to what you just said. Otherwise, it's like, yeah, does this person really want this or not? 
And that's not to say that you need to be the most energetic person that they've ever met. (laughs) You need to be authentic in your energy. Yeah. Yeah. You got to find that, that balance between what our friend Jackie Grant would call warmth and assertiveness. There's a degree of directness and clarity of response that's important. And there's mm-hmm. certain energy that's tied to that being clear. But then there's also that human to human side. It's like, can can you portray to that employer? Can you connect with that employer on a more personal level so that you're not just viewing this as a, as a very transactional discussion? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Love that. Cool. So just kind of going back to the general trust building idea, I'd love to get your take on the difference between trust and respect. Oh, great question. So to preface that a little bit more, Mm -hmm. I had some conversations with people about what makes them trust their employees Mm -hmm. or what makes them trust their coworkers. And there was a lot of things, but one of them that came up was being respectful. And that means of somebody's time, Mm -hmm. of somebody's, just general life circumstances. There's a whole bunch of things that fall into that. Okay. So great question. Here's what's coming to mind for me right now. I try and go out all the time when I'm talking to people, meeting people for the first time, new acquaintance, old acquaintance, whatever, very high level of respect. That's something that is like, it's permanent. It's a fixture and it's just who I try and be all of the time. Trust is something that gets built up over time and repeated exposure to respectful behavior, my opinion. So yeah, it could be in the way that you talk. It could be in the questions you ask someone. It could be in, um, as you said, respecting someone else's time. So if you're late, obviously, to an interview or you're late to a meeting, that can be a huge breakage, lead to a big breakage in trust because it is so disrespectful. Um, So that to me is the link like respect is an all the time thing the foot's on the gas um but like trust is like the journey trust is the distance that you're traveling and you acquire that over time awesome i love that cool yeah that one just just popped into my mind so thanks for for inspiring that one awesome yeah okay so let's kind of start to put a bow on this and discuss just some of the the key high level points that we've discussed today. So there's these eight pillars that our dear listener can now go and read about in this awesome book. There is the idea that trust plays into your life, whether you're a job seeker trying to win the game of no like and trust versus being in a job where trust is critical for your career growth in that domain. What are the other big things that jump out to you here as key summary points? Building rapport and having non-work conversations can be a huge benefit in building trust with somebody. That trust does take time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That it's not going to just happen overnight, but Mm -hmm. consistent action and continuing to be respectful of someone, including setting boundaries for yourself, setting boundaries with other people, having that written contract or explicit expectations for your relationship and for the way that you interact with other people that you're working with is really important. Lots of little things that all add up over time. And the, the big assumption to also remember is that once you've earned someone's trust, it's not like that's permanent either. 
there's always repeated action that goes back into re-earning it, re-solidifying, building on trust, because you can break trust, as we know, pretty easily. Mm -hmm. And so there's always sort of, I think there needs to be a continued effort to make sure that trust is always maintained or growing. Yeah. And then just the final thing to really do all of those things, you need vulnerability and openness. You Mm -hmm. need to be willing to open yourself up. Yes. Be yourself, people. Dear listener, we encourage you to be yourself. All right. Well, let's call it at that for a week. That was a really fun chat. For the Career Builders Podcast, I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Plain. We hope you are well building trust all of the time, and we hope you'll join us again soon. Bye for now.